It is rather crazy to me when you read through Matthew's gospel, especially how fast Peter's relationship with Jesus changes from one moment to the next. Here in Matthew 17, we get the account of the transfiguration, but just last chapter in Matthew 16, we had Peter's great confession, where on the mountain he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, one of the greatest confessions in all of scripture of who Jesus is. But then only a few verses after that, when Jesus commanded them to take up their cross and follow him, he said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And then, as Peter seems to be thinking rather highly of himself, only the next chapter later, only a few days later, according to Matthew's gospel, now at the transfiguration, they're up on the mountain again, and Peter says, you know, Jesus, this is really great to be here. If you want, I'll build a tent for you and for Moses and Elijah, and I can probably just sleep on the ground if you want, but we can all stay here together for as long as we can. And then only a second after that, when the voice comes down out of heaven, Peter falls on his face afraid. And then a few chapters later, at the arrest and trial of Jesus, you find Peter denying, ever even knowing Jesus. And then at the end, not in Matthew's gospel, but at the end of it all, Peter is restored and told to feed the sheep. And we see how Peter goes on and acts to do many great things. The same is true of lots of people with Jesus. Now, it might seem crazy when you read through the Gospels and Acts and you see how not only Peter's but the other disciples and other characters in the gospel, how their relationship seems to change moment to moment with Jesus. But when you think about it, it's really not that crazy. Think about in the church here, at least, how your relationship with Jesus may feel different depending on what's going on. Think about how you feel, for instance, on Christmas Eve when you're singing Silent Night with the candles, how you think about that baby Jesus in the manger versus Good Friday when you're nailing your nail into the rough-hewn cross, how you feel about Jesus in that moment. Or just think about your life in general, how on one day you can feel like Jesus loves you and you're on top of the world and everything in your life is going well, but then something happens, a thought comes into your head, you have some sort of experience, and then next moment you feel lonely and depressed and like Jesus isn't there with you anymore. Or one day you're doing really good, you start out doing good with your devotions, you say a prayer, you feel close to Jesus, but then a few hours Later, you find yourself caught up in some temptation, some sin that continues to bother you and you feel far away again. It's normal, in a sense, to be like Peter. To have our relationship with Jesus change from one moment to the next, from one day to the next. 
And we can kind of outline, at least here at the Transfiguration, what that looks like and maybe draw a couple conclusions as to how Jesus wants to help you through these changes. How Jesus wants to be there with you. Now, at first, when we see Peter go up on the mountain today in Matthew 17, he seems to be comfortable with Jesus. He thinks it's wonderful that Jesus is transfigured. And you can kind of track the text through here that it's not at the transfiguration itself that Peter falls down afraid. In fact, it's at the transfiguration when Jesus' face shines like the sun that Peter sees that Jesus is indeed the light of the world. That just like in Genesis 1, before the sun itself was created, the light that came into the world shone straight from God. So here at the transfiguration, not the sun shining, but Jesus' face, the face of God shining, giving light to the world. And his clothes were white, showing that he was the righteous one showing that he had in himself all righteousness and to fulfill all righteousness on the behalf of sinners. And Moses and Elijah were there. And Moses and Elijah, if you go back in your Old Testament history, you can remember that Moses and Elijah both had kind of mysterious deaths. No one knew where Moses was buried and Elijah was taken up into heaven by chariots of fire. And the fact that Jesus is there transfigured with them shows that he will also have a mysterious death. That he will die on the cross, but three days later he will rise again triumphant over death. And so we see there Jesus as the light of the world, Jesus as our righteousness, and Jesus as our victory over death. And Peter is so excited. If you wish, I can make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And I always like to think he was thinking in his head, well, I'm going to be there too, but it doesn't even matter. I'll just sleep on the ground because I get to be near you and I get to be with Moses and Elijah and it's going to be so great. And I think one of the things you can see there is that when we're comfortable with Jesus, that that can come from a pious place. I don't think that Peter here was being inherently sinful. I don't think that Peter was somehow assuming things that he shouldn't have assumed about Jesus. He really thought it was great that Jesus was transfigured and that the Old Testament saints, Moses and Elijah, were there with him. It was pious. It was like someone who wants to come to church even when the roads outside may not be the best. Someone who wants to be with Jesus even when it seems like things might be scary or we're not exactly sure what's going to happen. It was a pious wanting to be with him, to build the tents there with him. And with the saints. But there is a danger in becoming, let's say, too comfortable with Jesus. Peter becomes frightened 
when he finds out, and we'll talk about this more in a second, what exactly, as he dives a little deeper, what exactly is going on here. When the Father's voice comes out of heaven and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, hear him, that's when Peter falls down on his face, afraid. And so we too, we should be careful that when we become comfortable with Jesus, that we're not kind of leaving something out about who Jesus really is. Because I think that's what happened with Peter is while Peter was excited about Jesus being this righteous, light-giving, life-giving Messiah, that he had kind of forgotten that he was also the almighty, all-powerful Son of God. And that that includes an element that can make us afraid. And so we can also become, and we should be careful of this, maybe too comfortable with Jesus. We'll give a couple examples of what that might look like. While there are those who are pious and want to come to church no matter what, sometimes we can also become too comfortable with Jesus where we think, well, maybe if we only go every so often, he won't really care that much. Now, by the way, I should clarify on this day that missing church because you're stuck in your driveway or missing church if you're sick, that's okay. That's an valid excuse. But if someone decides not to go to church because, well, they're comfortable with Jesus, they have a good relationship with him, Missing one Sunday, a couple Sundays, four or five Sundays here or there on the Lord's Day. Well, maybe that's a little too comfortable. Or we can also become comfortable with Jesus where we think our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with the church is more of a social reality. Where the church is the place and my relationship with Jesus is in the place where I go and I get to have lunch with my friends afterwards and I get to see all my friends and it's the place where I'm most comfortable. It's the kind of lifestyle that I live is this kind of Christian lifestyle. And that's what I'm comfortable with. But we should, again, not forget all of the things that Jesus includes. Yes, Jesus certainly includes having friends and family and a social life within the household of faith. There's no doubt about that. But there's also more to it than that. Or we can also get comfortable in this way that we think we're baptized, we're confirmed, we've made a good confession. This is kind of, I think, what happens to Peter most of all. We've made a good confession, and now we don't need to go any deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We don't need to go deeper in his word or deeper in our understanding of him. But Peter gets frightened because he does go deeper. He can't help but go deeper when the Father's very voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples remember 
that Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father, that he is co-equal to the Father in majesty and in glory and in power and in might, they must be afraid. They must realize that they have not listened to him perfectly. They must realize that maybe they've become a little too comfortable with Jesus. And in a way, just like we can have a good comfort with Jesus, there is a good fear of Jesus too. When we realize these things about our Lord, when we realize he is powerful, when we realize that he should be feared, that is a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it is good to realize that we don't always listen to Jesus and that we don't meet his standards. When the voice of heaven comes to us in his word and says to us, this is my law, be perfect as I am perfect, we realize we fall short. We don't deserve the glory that Peter and James and John saw on the mountain. We don't deserve to be able to build tents and sit there forever with Jesus. We don't meet his standards We are not light like he is light. We have not defeated death like he has defeated death. We don't even get to have special deaths like Moses and Elijah, let alone do we meet Jesus' perfection. And so what else can we do when we realize all that? We can fall on our faces. Just like Peter and James and John did, they kneeled down before the Lord and they repented. They were afraid of him. But just like our comfort can be good and bad at the same time, so can our fear of the Lord be good and bad at the same time. Because Jesus does not want you to remain afraid of him. And in fact, this is what he does. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Notice Peter's relationship went from being comfortable to being comforted. And I think this is the best trajectory you can also go on, is from being comfortable, which can be good, To being afraid, which can be good, but this is the best, to be comforted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we realize the fullness of Jesus, his might and his power, we should also realize that he is full, not just of might and power, but also of mercy and grace. His glory does not stop at shining on the mountain But his glory is also seen in his humility when he stoops down and he picks up those who are fallen. And just like he stooped down to the disciples that day, today he stoops down from his heavenly throne and he comes to you in the flesh and he touches you with his body and his blood. He puts it on your tongue. And he allows you 
of his mercy to fulfill the command that he gave to you to listen to him. He allows you to hear his word and to respond to it. And Peter says, by the way, in his epistle, which we read, that's even better than what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, yeah, it was amazing when we saw him there shining in glory on the mountain and the voice came down from out of heaven. That was all amazing. But you know what that does? It confirms the prophetic word which we have, which you do well to listen to. We have something more sure than his glory shining on the mountain day. It's great today to have this high feast of the church here where on the front of the bulletin you can see the picture of Jesus and his face shining white and we have the gospel procession and the vestments are white to remind us of the transfiguration. It's all wonderful. This is one of the best days in the church here. Great hymns today, all of it. But it's not the transfiguration itself. We don't get to see Jesus shining on the mountain today with our own eyes but that's okay because we have something better his word a promise to us passed down to us given us for the surety of our faith and in his word he says to you today arise and do not be afraid arise and be here with jesus Not because you can measure up to his perfect law, nor just because you want to see your friends. But be here. Arise and be not afraid because Jesus comes today here in this place with comfort, with life, with light, with forgiveness. Arise and be not afraid. Arise not because... You'll ever understand everything about him or because you can please him with how much you already know. But because he invites you to listen to him and to grow in him in a merciful and gracious way. And lift up your heads today. For while it seems like things could change at any moment, maybe things in your life seem to change moment to moment to moment, lift up your heads, because this one thing does not change. God has had mercy on you through his Son. And there's no better relationship that you can be in than one with Jesus Christ, who has in himself for you all of life, and all of salvation. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen. We stand for the offertory.